Chapter 2 After fifty years on this earth, John Locke had been enthusiastic, disillusioned, elated, exhausted, rich, poor, sick, well, happy, sad. But for the most part, none of those emotions ever stayed with him for very long. Immediately following the tombstone experience, his anger had faded, and following the whole OK Corral debacle, it had disappeared entirely. However, it had been replaced by, well, nothing. Nothing was what John Locke was feeling as he rode down the main street of Fredericksburg. He'd been contacted about possibly doing a job and promised a fee simply for a consultation. If he decided not to take the job, he was free to keep the money and leave. Locke had taken no jobs from the time he gave up his badge until he read about the O.K. Corral shootout. He had gone to Mexico, found himself a little town where he could live for little or no money, and just ate, drank, and existed. The people there had been happy to have El Viudador, the widow-maker, among them. To have such a man in their village meant that others of his kind would stay away. They were saddened when he decided to leave. Upon his return, Locke took up residence in New Mexico. He had come to like the food he subsisted on in Mexico very much, as well as the women, and he was able to continue to have access to both while living in Las Vegas. However, his appearance in Las Vegas did not go unnoticed and he began to receive offers of work. He turned down those which offered him a badge and took only those that were interesting. He did not hire out as a gunman, bounty hunter, lawman, or mercenary, and he let that be known. He was still living in Las Vegas, New Mexico, when he received the summons from Fredericksburg, a letter from a man named Gordon Vestal who claimed that he spoke for the entire town council. Locke, with no reason to doubt the man, agreed to ride to Fredericksburg and listen to their offer. Locke got himself a room at the Main Street Hotel near City Hall, but did not immediately go there to announce his arrival. Instead, he went in search of a mug of beer and a palatable meal. Good meals he had found over the years were hard to come by. If he went looking for one in every town he visited, he would invariably be disappointed. So instead, he went in search of meals which were edible, and often was pleasantly surprised with a good one. There was a cafe next to the hotel and across from City Hall, and he figured, why not? He found a table where he could not only sit with his back to a wall, but see out the window as well. When the waiter came over, he ordered enchiladas, rice, and refried beans. And cerveza, he added. Muy frío. Si, señor. As the waiter walked away, Locke saw two men approaching the café. Neither was wearing a holster, but he could see from the cut of one man's jacket that he was wearing a gun in a shoulder rig. He reached down, eased his custom colt from his holster to make sure it wouldn't stick if he needed it. He caressed the specially made grip of the pistol, the grooves his fingers would fill if he were to produce the gun. Although he knew it was loaded, he checked all six cylinders, then holstered the gun. 
He'd had the grip custom-made to fit his hand perfectly, giving him no chance of having the weapon ever slip from his hand as it had once in his youth when his hand was shaky and sweating. After he'd survived that incident, he had the grip adjusted. Convinced his weapon was ready, he waited for the two men to reach the door. Let me do the talking, Gordon Vestal said as he and his partner reached the door of the cafe. That won't be a problem, Hanson said. Vestal looked at him and asked, Are you scared, Ed? To death. I thought you were the one who said he looked old. Shh, not so loud, Ed Hanson hissed. And all I did was ask, what if he was too old? Vestal smiled and led the way into the cafe.